your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Snap back to Adrian. Fakes a handoff. Keeps himself. Adrian goes. 30, 25, 20, 15. Cuts back at the 10, 5. Touchdown, Nebraska. Adrian Martinez from 41 yards out. Huskers within a PAT of tying this game. All right, let's go. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Ben McLaughlin and Tim Curran. Thank you. Welcome to another edition of Sports Nightly here on the Husker Sports Network. Ben McLaughlin joined tonight by Tim Curran. Greg Sharp out again this evening, so stuck with me and Tim here for the next three hours here on the program. A lot of topics to get to tonight. There is a a lot happening as this is our final show of the week so we'll try and carry it through the rest of the week and into the Super Bowl and just here tonight on a Wednesday as well so uh, Nebraska women's basketball at Penn State tomorrow and Nebraska volleyball returns to action against the Maryland Terrapins at home on Friday after a week off uh, due to uh, COVID precautions with the Northwestern volleyball program so Final show of the week, so that means we're cramming a lot into tonight, and I think uh, think we'll be able to manage. If you want to be a part of the show, as always, give us a call, 531-500-4686, the number to get into the program here tonight. That is our Woodhouse Auto Family Hotline, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Coming up tonight here on the program, signing day round two uh, today for college football, college athletics. And thankfully or unthankfully, depending on how you look at it, today was very uneventful. I think normally that's a good thing, maybe not so much today. Very quiet day. I think most of the damage done uh, was in December, as we all expected. So we'll recap uh, today for Nebraska football, what that meant for uh, some of the recruits, both local and definitely not local, uh, of, of their decisions here today. So we'll get into that here in just a second. Lane Grindle stops by of the Milwaukee Brewers Radio Network, former host of the show. Good night to have Lane on. Number one, um, some news around uh, Milwaukee, but also uh, with the Super Bowl. Lane is a big Chiefs fan, as is I, so we'll get his thoughts on that. And he covered both Levante David and Indomitian Sue. Uh, while they were here on campus playing for the Huskers. So we'll uh, pick the brain of Lane of what he remembers of their time here at Nebraska and also uh, their time in the National Football League as well. And may as well get Lane's thoughts on the state of the program, Nebraska football, where they're at uh, following their 2020 season year number three under Scott Frost. So we'll uh, talk with our old friend Lane here coming up this hour as well. In hour number two of the show, Kendall Rogers, D1 Baseball, We'll stop by the program. Kendall put out that tweet a couple of days ago indicating the Big Ten is just now beginning the discussions on the format of their season. Um, Bill Moose had some comments today to a local paper. We'll get into those comments today as well. But uh, we're just now getting into (laughs) the discussions of what Big Ten baseball may look like and when that may be uh, announced. So 
Kendall will, will give us his thoughts and, and the state of the Big Ten, what this means for the conference moving forward, postseason, national reputation, all that stuff. Kendall Rogers, probably the premier college baseball reporter around the country for D1 Baseball, will stop by. Also, Ian Rappaport will switch from Fridays uh, to Wednesday this week just because of the fact this is our last show of the week. It's been a while since we've talked with Ian. He is down in Tampa right now. Uh, covering the Super Bowl, obviously with some major restrictions, but we will head down to boots on the ground to Tampa with a week uh, of the Super Bowl down with Ian in hour number two of the show. Hour number three, we'll play some buy-sell. Eager to find some results. Tim, you think you're still on top? I mean, I think this is two <laughs> or three weeks in that you're you're still the top placeholder, if I remember uh, correctly. I'm not surprised, although I don't know if I even got my answers in last week, so maybe Josh picked for me. So that might be the only thing that prevented me from uh, – from remaining in the top spot, my own negligence, but uh, I'm excited to find out what happens. Had you, uh, should you win this, this uh, season and not participate in a week's worth of questions, you should know that there will be a major <laughs> asterisk and uh, I'm sure the win will be under investigation. So right. hopefully for your sake that uh, you are on top of that. Also, Josh and Austin are combing through some of our favorite Things to talk about with the Super Bowl, the prop bets, color Gatorade, national anthem length. Uh, will Tim throw something at the TV? All those things, I'm sure, has Vegas odds in them in some regard. So we'll comb through a couple of those fun ones uh, before we sign off tonight as well. A um, couple of topics we're going to hit on. As I mentioned, signing day here in just a second. Bill Moose had some comments today, not just regarding Nebraska baseball, but also Nebraska's trip to Ireland and when a decision could potentially be made with that game with Illinois to open next season. And also NBA talk. We don't talk a lot of NBI on this show, but uh, the Players Association trying to put together an all-star game in Atlanta. Why? I don't know. But we could potentially get into that tonight as well. Okay, let's talk about signing day today. We expected one signature for sure. Wyndon Ho'ohuli from Hawaii, the four-star linebacker, uh, again, with the time difference, normally these uh, these come in right at right out of the shoot at about 8 a.m., 8 to 9 a.m., sometimes earlier in the day. But with Wyndon being all the way out on the islands, um, that, that signature didn't come in until about noon today, but not a big surprise. Uh, the 153rd-ranked prospect, according to Husker 24-7 Sports. Uh, so he uh, becomes the 20th member of the signing class with his uh, national letter of intent here today. Locally, there was one big decision to be made. We chatted with Nate Klaus, HuskerOnline.com, yesterday about Avante Dickerson, defensive back from Omaha Westside, making his decision. Uh, all indications that we were getting yesterday, backed up by Nate's uh, perspective that he was a heavy Oregon lean, Nebraska um really trying to maintain and improve their relationship with, with Avante the last few months. They succeeded in that. However, a really late push, full-court press attempt by Oregon, an unofficial visit out to Eugene, uh, really sealed the deal for Avante Dickerson, who did pledge his commitment to Oregon this morning out at Westside. So he will head out and play for the Ducks out in the Pac-12 that is the number one player in the state of Nebraska that is heading out side of uh, the state border to play with Oregon. And I think there are a lot of people, Tim, probably upset by this, but you look at the quotes uh, come from, coming from Avante today, 
basically saying, and this happens a lot. This is actually, you know, a pretty common thing. Just wanted out of the Midwest, wanted a change, needed a change of scenery, uh, wanted to go experience a different part of the world or the, the country at least. And said that, you know, even though Eugene is really far away from Nebraska, you really felt at home there. And believe it or not, you know, there are some people that aren't going to ever accept that reason. But we were all in high school once. We, we all knew what that, that venture, that college venture was like when, you know, perhaps you are uh, willing to take a chance and go further away from home. That appeared to be the case with Avante. And you're not going to keep them all here. But that is one that we would have loved to, to stay at, in state and play for Nebraska. Right. And I hope Nebraska fans still, uh, you know, root for him at least a little bit. I mean, it's always, you know, exciting to see a, you know, in-state talent of that caliber uh, get to ply his trade. Granted, not with the Huskers, but uh, at a at a high-level program in Oregon. I know that, you know, every once in a while, uh, it, it is frustrating when you see a in-state talent uh, get away. Uh, I know a fan comes to mind where he, of course, went to Iowa <laughs> right next door, which actually might uh, drive the dagger in a little bit deeper for Nebraska fans. But, uh, you know, uh, it, it as you as you said, Ben, it's a very personal decision. I mean, he's not making a, a plan that will, uh, or rather, a, 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 he's not committing to please Husker fans. He's committing to uh, forward his career interests uh the, the way he'd like to and if he sees himself fit into Oregon's system better uh then more power to him and so that that's kind of a um you know a difficult way to slice it if you're a husker fan you'd obviously want to see everyone uh stay you know in, in state but you know nebraska also has plenty of in-state talent in this class including uh a, a, one of his teammates actually uh and kobe bratz in the secondary so um you know it's not unusual that that you know avante dickerson uh you know would, would want to go play for a program like oregon and besides ben with with all the transfers that happen nowadays i wouldn't be shocked if you know uh if, if that kind of that that channel of communication stayed open and that maybe one day avante you know gets to gets to eugene and then figures out you know what maybe he would rather uh, uh stay in um uh, or rather go back and, and play for Nebraska. At least, uh, you know, Coach Frost certainly uh, tried to make his way in the Pac-12 and, and changed his mind midway through. So, um, you know, transfers are becoming more and more part of a thing. But even if he doesn't transfer, even if he does uh, remain at Oregon for the remainder of his uh, collegiate career, uh, I think that all Nebraska fans should, should wish him the best. It's fun to see a guy from Nebraska uh, play high-level college football, even if it's not for the Huskers. Well, and I think – you know, part of part of the point that you're getting at here is you want him to go to a place where he's he's going to be happy. I mean, do you really want him to be in Lincoln? You know, like a Wandale Robinson situation where I mean, I know his, these aren't example apples to apples here, but you know where you know you got people telling you to do one thing, you got what your heart telling you to do in another, and you know, say he ends up coming to Nebraska and all he's thinking about is Oregon. You know, and he, and the, He's not fully invested, and he's always kind of one foot in, one foot out. You need guys that are going to be pulling in the right direction. And not to say Avante wouldn't be that guy if he was committed to Nebraska, but clearly his heart was was with the Ducks, and it's hard to fault him for that. I know I wish he was a Husker. You wish he was a Husker. Lots of people out there wish he was a Husker, but you need guys that are going to be fully committed when they're here. And if he was just listening to fans on Twitter or you know, hypothetically other people in his circle telling him to go to Nebraska when, you know, he, he himself wanted to go to Oregon. I don't know that this would have lasted. It probably would have turned into a year-long decision, two-year-long decision, and before he enters himself into the portal to give something else a try. So 
college football is an unpredictable beast. There is a there's a lot that that goes into uh, a career, a lot of time. There's a lot of transferring that's going on. But right now, all you can do on signing day, wish the kid the best, and you know, hopefully, the relationship not just with Avante, but uh, with the coaches in Omaha West Side and the coaches there continue to be positive. And, you know, if there's another guy in, in West Side's program that, you know, draws the ire of Hus- the Huskers, you don't want to have that bridge burned. And so right now you just wish him the best. And, you know, Kobe Bretz is a West Side warrior who's coming to Lincoln and, mm-hmm. you know, a big-time playmaker himself. So that was the big news today of Ante Dickerson, um, number one player in the state, heading out west to Eugene. And talked a little bit about this with Nate Klaus before we hit our first break here. And uh, two of the top three players in the state uh, not signing with Nebraska, Avante Dickerson to Oregon, as we just talked about. Keegan Johnson, a legacy going over to Iowa, uh, the six-one athlete from Bellevue West. Uh, so two of the top three uh, hopping out of the state. But uh, then you've got, uh, what, five of the, five of the next uh, six guys uh, all coming in state. So Prochaska, James Carney, Harburg, Kobe Bretz, A.J. Rollins, uh, the next ranked uh, players, according to 24-7 Sports, all coming to Nebraska. Again, you're not going to get every single one. You hope the top ones at least uh, find their way to Lincoln. But, you know, Coach Frost and this coaching staff still making it a point to recruit heavily in state. And it's not going to stop here. We'll get in, in, into it later in Sports Nightly, an early look at the 2022 class of the the rankings in the state and uh, even we'll even peek ahead of the 2023 class. There are some very, very, very talented players uh, in this state coming out in the next couple of years that, uh, you know, n- top 150 national guys that you hope uh, can jump in here and uh, maybe commit to Nebraska. We'll run through a couple of those names a little later on in the show. But uh, big news to the day, Wyndon Ho'ohuli becomes the 20th signee for Nebraska, and uh, the Huskers will have a couple scholarships open if they want to add somebody through the portal a little later on. Off and rolling here on a Sports Nightly Wednesday. Ben McLaughlin joined now by former host of the show, Mr. Lane Griddle, the Milwaukee Brewers. Lane, uh, it's typically a downtime for you. Not so much now. You're kind of bouncing all over the place, doing some games, getting ready for spring training. You able to keep track of all this going on with all those kids running around the house? (laughs) You know, uh, my calendar and my phone has been very helpful, actually. You know, normally my off-season's are pretty relaxed. I mean, they really are. I, I do some football here and there, maybe sprinkle in a couple of basketball games. And you would have thought with a pandemic going on that I would have been less busy uh, this off season. but I've actually been far more busy. Um, I was just back uh, in the great state of Nebraska last weekend calling basketball on FS1. I'm, I'm going to go to Colorado um, at the beginning of next week for um, some, call, some Mountain West basketball on FS1. And so that's been kind of keeping up uh, a lot of my time, and I got some football coming up on the 19th on ESPN3 with, with the, the, the Missouri Valley Football Conference getting started. So it's been kind of nice, to be honest with you. I mean, I think we've all been wanting things to occupy our time um, throughout this pandemic, and so I've managed to stay fairly busy, and it's been a good thing. But, yeah, it's all coming to a close here pretty soon because then I'm going to get really busy as I head to, to Arizona um, at the end of this month for the start of spring training. Well, as busy as you are, I know you're going to carve out some time on uh, on Sunday to watch the the game between the Chiefs and the Bucks. I don't know if you've heard, but the Super Bowl is on Sunday. As a lifelong <laughs> Chiefs fan, 
Uh, it's been interesting for me this week. I mean, I, 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 I'm having pretty similar feelings as I did last year, but not entirely the same. How are you feeling, you know, after everything that uh, happened a year ago and, you know, everything that's happened this year to get to this point? Yeah, I thought the AFC championship game felt a lot different to me than it did a year ago. Uh, I had gone my whole life wanting, hoping that maybe possibly the Chiefs could someday get to a Super Bowl. I, I just wanted them to get to a Super Bowl. I wanted to have the run-up and the hype and the hoopla and everything else you know that comes along with being one of the two teams in the Super Bowl and you as a fan getting to enjoy that. And so when the Chiefs won the AFC Championship last year, I was emotional. I mean, it was really that big of a deal <laughs> for me. It's like one of the biggest things that my dad and I share together. And uh, we both love the Chiefs. We've been to so many games together uh, over the course of our lives. And, and so it was just a really fun thing to get to finally witness it, right? Fast forward 12 months later, Ben, and I expected it. And I, and I, I don't want to sound spoiled, but when you have the best quarterback in the league, and he's not the best of all time yet, that is Tom Brady, who he's facing in the Super Bowl, but he's the best quarterback in the league right now. And when you have a guy that is just – so next level and so otherworldly um, at the helm of your team, and he's going to be for a long time, you do get a little spoiled, and you start to expect that, hey, he's going to figure out a way to get this done. And so I was a lot less emotional this time. I was excited, maybe a little bit relieved, but just, uh, you know, it's a different kind of feeling now. Um, I wouldn't say it's any less of a feeling, but it's just different. And, um Going into this Super Bowl, it's kind of the same thing. I mean, this is a legacy game in many ways. This is a dynasty-defining moment for the organization. It seems kind of weird to say that when they're just going for their second straight Super Bowl. But if they would win, I think we all would agree they're on the verge of being the next great dynasty in the NFL. So um, it's fun. It's neat. These are big-picture conversations I never thought I was going to have about the Kansas City Chiefs for the entirety of my life. Um, and I am a little sad that if they do do it, they're going to have to do it you know, by going through some of my favorite Huskers I ever covered uh, in Indomitian Sioux and Levante David. And, of course, um, uh, Wish Davis is there. Car Khalil, Khalil, right? Or is yeah. it Carlos? Yeah, Khalil, Khalil, Khalil yeah. is with the Bucks as well. I didn't cover him other than one year. Uh, my last year at Nebraska, so I didn't get to know him as well. But I, I did get to know Levante and Indomitian well when I was there, and uh, two dudes that were really good to me during their time at Nebraska. And I've always cheered for them, but I won't be cheering for them on Sunday, unfortunately. I, my loyalty will lie with the Chiefs. Yeah, relief is the word that you use. That's exactly what I felt on Sunday. Just, the, I mean, the, yeah, the, I don't know, like the pressure to, to do it again, I, like I think, ben, was there. I, ben, I felt like the the national media – was trying to will that yes. game into being a better matchup than it was. And they were trying to will Josh Allen onto the same level as Patrick Mahomes. And I think in some ways that was a favor done to the Chiefs because I think Patrick Mahomes takes inventory on that stuff. Absolutely. And, um, I, I do. I think that fuels him. He's a little bit like Jordan in that way, I think. And so, um, you know, a lot of people are calling this Jordan LeBron and they're probably making Patrick LeBron in this matchup in the Super Bowl. But I think Mahomes has a lot of Jordan-like tendencies in terms of competitive nature. I would agree. And, and to echo what you said about emotional last AFC championship, they didn't even get through the entire commercial 
promoting the merchandise before I had a shirt ordered um, for the <laughs> AFC Championship last year, and I did yeah. not do that this year. So I have a yeah, no, nope. uh, I, yeah. I have those. It's kind of Super Bowl, around. or it's like win the whole thing or bust now. And and last year, I mean, once they got past the AFC Championship game, it was win the Super Bowl or bust. But the whole goal up until that point was just to get there for me. I just that that seemed so unattainable to me for so many years and so yeah just it's a very different situation but not not any less satisfying just a different situation yeah I, I learned when the Royals were, were doing their thing five six years ago their their back-to-back runs to the World Series not to take it for granted but be honest you miss Brody Croyle dropping back to pass for Kansas City at least a little bit right <laughs> Tyler Thigpen man I, <laughs> yeah. I always thought I think if you would have given Andy Reid Tyler Thigpen he could have turned him into a, a legitimate NFL quarterback Andy Reid would have figured oh. out a way to take Tyler Thigpen's skill set and make him a very serviceable starting quarterback in the NFL. I kind of believe that. <laughs> That's hilarious, Tyler Thigpen. Wasn't he a Dolphin? I mean, it's like it's like Chad Henney 2.0, right? I mean, Tyler Thigpen. Yeah, and you, had, a... you got Tyler Palco who made his yeah, way through, yeah. Brady Quinn, Kyle Orton. <laughs> um, I mean, we could, you know, I can go all the way back to Steve Palour and Ron Jaworski and Steve yeah. DeBerg and um, Mark Vlasic. Do you remember Mark Vlasic? You probably don't remember Mark Vlasic. I know the yeah, name. I, I do not remember man. watching him play at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, you could write a novel on that. But having having Mahomes here is a, is a, is a little, bit, little bit better. You did mention, though, on the other side, guys like Levante and Indomitian. And, you know, I'm with you. I will be rooting for the Chiefs on Sunday. Um, I will feel great for Levante and Indomitian if they do get, get the Lombardi trophy. But I, I will be hurt. But to me, there's not a more underappreciated player in the National Football League and a more deserving player than Levante, who's been mm-hmm. overshadowed his entire career by Luke Keekley, who has since retired. But uh, the, the amount of Pro Bowls that he has been snubbed and all pros that he has been snubbed is, is crazy. When, when you think about Levante as, as a pro first, but as a college player second, what do you, what do you think about? Well, I just the natural ability to get to the football. I, I remember that. Um, during his time at Nebraska because, you know, he wasn't going to start. Sean Fisher was going to start. He got hurt. And then Levante became the starting linebacker at that point in time. I think he would have eventually become, I think we all can agree, he was going to eventually probably overtake Sean Fisher for that job before it was all said and done. But then, boom, Levante's in there. And he was, I mean, he was making mistakes in the first couple weeks, but we wouldn't see it. Yeah, I remember telling Carl Pliny, man, Levante played good tonight. And he goes, you know what? Actually, he lined up wrong. Like, you know, we're still figuring out – he's still figuring out our defense. He hasn't been here that long. Like, he lined up wrong a couple of times. He made the wrong read a couple of other times. He played the wrong defense another time. But he's so talented that he still gets to the football. (laughs) And he can still make up for it. You know, he's one of those guys that can take the wrong first step but still beat everybody else to the football. Like – that's just how physically talented he was. Well, then as he was more and more comfortable and as he figured out the defense and as he figured out how to make the right reads and everything else and the right calls within the Nebraska defense, we know what he became. He became, you know, one of the top, what, probably one of the top, certainly top five linebackers in the history of the Nebraska football program. And I would argue one of the top 15 black shirts, probably yeah. 20 black shirts, maybe in the history of the program. And that's a very illustrious list. So I'd need to spend more time going through it, but I feel pretty confident in saying that. So um, I had no doubt he was going to be a great pro because I, I, 
I got a chance to see his work ethic, his humility. I mean, this is a very, very, very humble guy. Um, one of the more humble kind of superstar collegiate athletes that I ever had a chance to be around covering the team. And so I really felt like he was going to be a great pro. And that's really been the case since he got there. I mean, he had a great rookie year and it's just continued and he's been consistent and nobody ever talks about him. I mean, he is one of the most, as you said, he's one of the most overlooked elite defensive football players in the NFL. And he's been that way since he got into the league. Yeah, I remember saying when he got drafted, that's going to be a future Pro Bowler for the Bucks. And some people scoffed at me on Twitter for it. I've never forgotten that because I think I proved to be right. <laughs> yeah, I and I to, to back up your point, I, I, still one of my favorite things ever was editing um, Greg and Coach Bo's post games. Yeah, Levante, sixteen tackles tonight. Pretty good effort out of him. Oh, he left a lot out there. <laughs> it's just like you just laughing. Dude had eighteen tackles in a game, and he, yeah. yet he left left they, a lot. That's out there how much the respect they had for him. You know, they yeah. knew that there was even another level for him. He was a tremendous, tremendous talent. Absolutely. Still is. And it and and, and Adamican Sue could go down as I mean, Will Shields Hall of Famer, but could go down as one of the greatest Nebraska alums to ever play at the next level. Guy that's bounced around, had a chance with the Rams a few years ago. Guy that just it just he always seems like he has a little bit more in the tank when you think that thing's running empty. Yeah, Indomitian's another great competitor. Uh, one of my favorite memories from Indomitian that I, I don't know if I've ever shared this before, but uh, in 2009 when Nebraska had the, the one of the best defenses Nebraska's ever fielded, and um, that was the team that, that with the one-second game and the Big 12 championship and everything else. But if you remember that season, had the tough losses to Iowa State and Texas Tech. Um, but then kind of figured out their formula, right? They were going to play ball control on offense, and shut everybody down defensively. And there was one game late that was the exception to that. And that game was the Kansas game in Lawrence, where Kansas was having a bad year, but they kind of figured some stuff out, and they moved the football a little bit. And Nebraska ran a couple of different things offensively. They were able to score enough points to win it, but that ended up being a closer game than I think anybody thought it was going to be going in. And Kansas moved the football more than anybody thought they would going into that game. And Dominican was on the post game show with me every week. We just had basically a standing agreement and an understanding. <laughs> and I remember him walking into the locker room and he looked at me and he goes, not tonight, man. And we, you know, Nebraska just won. Um, and I said, no, that's fine. He goes, I'm sorry. I mean, he was cool about it, right? He's like, I'm sorry. He's like, I'm so upset about the way we played on, on the defensive side of the football. I need, I need some time before I talk about this. Like that's, that was how competitive he was. And that was the standard he set for himself and his teammates defensively. And, you know, look, Dominican has certainly had some criticism over the course of his NFL days for various reasons. And some of that he's probably brought upon himself. But the guy I knew and the guy I, you know, I, I wouldn't say I know him now. I haven't talked to him in years. But the guy I knew when he played was um, just an unbelievably competitive guy, maybe to a fault at times. But that's what fueled him. That's what drove him. That's what made him the player he became. And I've never seen anybody dominate games from that position like he did in college. And uh, was uh, always gracious with his time with me. When he would come back, um, when he was playing with the Lions, he would come back to the Black Friday game every year. 
and I would be standing on the sidelines, and pretty soon I would lose my breath because I was getting bear hugged from behind, <laughs> and it was Indomitian coming up behind me and you know messing with me. So he always kind of kept that playfulness when he came back to Lincoln, such an important piece to Nebraska football's history, and I'm happy for him. He's getting another shot at a Super Bowl. I just hope he goes 0 for 2 after losing with the Rams a couple of years ago. I hope he loses against the Chiefs as well. Well, luckily for you, we will not uh, MP3 this interview overnight to him to uh, <laughs> there you so, go. so he can hear, hear this before yeah. before the the the, uh, so the game on Sunday. All right, Lane, we'll let you go with this uh, signing day today for Nebraska round two, and I think everybody's just spending some time to figure out the direction that this program needs to go. What Scott Frost needs to improve from year three to year four. I think there's a, there's a laundry list of areas. I know you're, you're so caught up with what you're doing, but I know Husker football is always a priority to you. When you From an out, outsider's perspective, what, what are you hoping that you know this coaching staff maybe addresses or this team really improves on before maybe even fall camp hits and, and obviously hit the ground running here later in 2021? I think for for this team and this this organ or this organization, I'm so used to doing Major League Baseball. <laughs> for this program to to get to where it can get to, and and I and I believe there's still a good ceiling for this for this program. They have to make strides on the offensive side of the football. They have made I think the necessary strides defensively, where you can look at that and go, that's trending in a good direction. And uh, there's improvement being made every year. And with a bunch of experience back next year, there's reason to believe that could take an even better step. Maybe it's the top 30 defense next year. That's a good enough defense to win the West with, most likely. There's question marks on offense, and we all know that. Um, I know that Scott Frost has the answers in his head of what needs to be done for Nebraska's offense to get unlocked and to start to realize its potential. We were there at one point, remember, at the end of year one. That Mm -hmm. offense was rolling. Um, and it just has not been able to get there since then on a consistent level. I think part of it is they need more playmakers. You know, you, can you get Omar Manning to a place where he can contribute? Is Ture, um going to be a guy that they can utilize in the passing game and maybe stretch the field a little bit more? Um, can they get a running back, you know, is step the guy? Can, can they Can they find – some eye-back running game, and take a little bit of pressure off the quarterback. I mean, Adrian Martinez is, uh, I still think, a very talented quarterback, and I thought he showed us some good things this year. He had a much better junior year than his sophomore year. But there's a lot of pressure on the quarterback in this system, and there should be, but you've got to have guys that can take some pressure off of him. And I don't know that Nebraska's had that. Um, you know, Wandale Robinson provided some of that. He's gone now, so who are going to be those guys? If there's some skill guys that can step up, maybe Fedoni comes in as a freshman and he becomes a a big-time threat in the passing game as a tight end that can stretch the field. I think there are going to be some answers there. Can Nebraska put them all together and get that offense rolling early? I think with a normal offseason, a fairly normal spring, and a normal camp and some non-conference games, I I do. I think you're going to see big improvement next year. I'm, I'm still very optimistic. I'm still bullish. I like the future of this program. I know it's taken a little bit more time than what we thought. Uh, that's just all of us loving the program and being fans and, and wanting that to happen. Sometimes it doesn't happen that fast. I still believe in what this program's doing, and I think the future's bright, and I think we're going to see some big progress next year. 
Yeah, and I think we're all just kind of eager for that to happen, and hopefully it is sooner rather than later. I think there are still a lot of people out there that believe in Coach Frost's vision offensively and to get this thing humming in the right direction. Ling Grinnell, the Milwaukee Brewers. Man, it's, we've been on talking about nearly 20 minutes here. I didn't even ask you about any baseball. Sorry, sorry, sorry about that. I guess maybe next time, I guess. That, that's fine. I'm going to have plenty of time to talk baseball here in a couple of weeks, so you're fine, man. Very good. Lane, thanks so much for reminiscing with us, man. It was a lot of fun, and uh, let's go get him on Sunday. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Ben. Thank you. Lane Grindle, Milwaukee Brewers Radio Network with us. Hour 2 Sports Nightly on a Wednesday. This is our final show of the week. We've got Husker women's basketball on the air tomorrow, Nebraska volleyball on the Husker Sports Network on Friday. So this is the final Day of Sports Nightly here for the week. Appreciate everybody spending part of your evening here with us. Thanks to Lane Grindle for joining us last hour. Good to hear from our old buddy uh, up in Milwaukee, hopping around doing some freelance play-by-play work and also uh, heading down to spring training here at the end of the month. So appreciate him stopping by. Joining us here in just a second, Kendall Rogers, D1 Baseball, will stop by. Uh, We'll get uh, Kendall's take on everything surrounding Big Ten Baseball, Nebraska's standpoint, and uh, really, the damage done by the Big Ten getting in their own way again uh, by their uh, poor handling of the offseason. We'll chat with Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network and NFL.com coming up this hour as well. Coming up in the 8 o'clock hour, we'll play some buy-sell, find out the results from last week. How do we do? Is Tim still uh, top of the throne? I guess we'll find out. And we'll go over some uh, NFL Super Bowl prop bets. There's always some weird things going out josh and austin will have some uh some of that for us uh before we sign off for the evening as well 531-546-86 the number to get into the show and that is our woodhouse auto family hotline bringing you more choices and brands locations and service experience the difference purchase with confidence this is woodhouse we go there next welcome on our first guest the hour second of the night kendall rogers from d1 baseball kendall is just about 13 months ago that my colleague and I were getting ready to hop in a car. We were in a car heading down to Wichita for a four-game series when we found out that the se- the season was going to be pulled. Um, I guess 13 months ago, the season right around the corner. How, how have you been since then with all this madness around in college baseball? Well, you know what? You're going to give me some PTSD here, but you know what? <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty excited right now. You know, I, Honestly, when you look at the evolution of college sports over the last year, you know, we went from season canceled to middle of the summer thinking like, oh, boy, we're not going to have college football. And, and by the way, oh, boy, we don't have college football. We're all screwed. And so, you know, we had college football. We, we kind of transformed from this idea. Well, at least everyone at the Big Ten transformed from this idea of, you know, all four-game conference series. And now, guess what? 98% of the country is playing a totally normal schedule. So uh, li- life is good. I'm not so sure life is good for Kevin Warren, but life is good for me. We have college baseball in two weeks. I, I, I'm going to throw a bold statement out here. that You're not the only buddy, only person that's, that's said that about Kevin Warren in the last eight months or so. Um, let's just start yeah. from your end, man, man, how crazy this has been. What, what's it been like uh, getting information from – I'm assuming starting first with conferences like the SEC and the ACC, the Big 12 Mm -hmm. to follow, just about their protocols and really their approach to what was going to make this 2021 season work. Well, I think the biggest thing that I've learned over the last few months is, you know, from talking to sources is, you know, when you look at COVID-19 and transmission in baseball, 
uh, you know, MLB, uh, they did a study back uh, after the season ended, and they did, they could not find a single case of on-field transmission. So, you know, right off the bat, when you look at college baseball, I, I, once I heard that, I kind of I felt pretty good in the fall about our chances of at least getting some sort of season in. And so, you know, we, we kind of had that. And then, you know, when you look at, you know, the conferences around the country, uh, I'll be honest with you, I mean, I was advocating back in November, hey, let's just get to a point where – like let's just do conference only. Like if, if there's a if there's a worry that there's safety involved and, th- and things like that, let's just do conference only. And as we did that, you know, once I wrote that column, it was like all these smaller. What what really stood out to me is all these smaller conferences started saying things like, "Hey, uh, you know, we're we're going to play a normal schedule." And I'll be honest with you, back and you know, back in December when they were telling me that, I'm like, yeah, okay, like, like that's really going to happen. And I still remember, like, I got a call from a couple of these mid-major conferences that were like, hey, you know, our, our 80s, our admins voted on it. We're playing a normal schedule. And I feel like once that happened, then it kind of gave, it gave the window of opportunity for the ACC, the SEC, and, I mean, heck, even the Pac-12. Like, who would have thought yeah. the Pac-12 would have played a normal schedule with all the, the, the rules they had out there in those states? So, uh, we've, we've come a long way. I think when you look at the Big Ten, you know, I, I, I poke fun at Kevin Warren, and certainly there's a there's an aspect uh, uh, to him that deserves some blame here. The problem you run into with the Big Ten, unlike the SEC and unlike the ACC and the Big 12, is their administrators, not only are they looking at cost containment because they had no fans in the fall for football, that, that really hurt those schools. Uh, you know, the other thing is, whether you like it or not, they equate like men's rowing and women's rowing with college baseball. Like they, they equate college softball, college baseball with these other sports. So whatever they do for those sports, they're going to do for college baseball. And I think that's why you're seeing, uh, you know, I think that's why you're seeing the, the big 12 or excuse me, the big 10 kind of rein everything in a little bit and kind of do the same exact thing for all these different sports. Because it's like, hey, if we allow, you know, uh, baseball, to go travel to Clemson, we can't tell men's rowing they can't do the same. So I think it's just an all-or-nothing approach. It drives me crazy because I think we look at college baseball, you know, it's top three uh, in, in, you know, uh, revenue sports for the NCAA in terms of the championship. Obviously, football isn't included because it's not a uh, – it's, it's you know, it's run by the, the playoff. But, mm-hmm. you know, outside of uh, men's basketball – Baseball makes the most money in the postseason for the NCAA. So I just think you've got to look at it much differently than some of these other sports. And, unfortunately, the Big Ten isn't doing that right now, and I don't think they're, I don't think they're going to change their tune. Kendall, I, I, since we're on the topic of the Big Ten, if I had a dollar for every time somebody asked me this question, why can Nebraska go to Piscataway, New Jersey, and play Rutgers, but they can't get in a bus and drive 40 miles to play Creighton uh, and that not be okay if, in terms of safety. I would have so much money I wouldn't be, need to be doing this show anymore. What what <laughs> what is the the logic behind that? Uh, with so many teams having regional non conference potential, yeah. that the Big Ten still isn't allowing that. I mean, the only thing I can think of is is lawsuits. Maybe like maybe they're worried that you know some kid from Creighton might infect a Nebraska player, then all of a sudden it just creates a domino effect. But I mean, I think. Uh, you know, maybe I'm giving society too much credit, but I think we're to a point now where, like, I don't think somebody's going to sue you because you got COVID from, you know, from them. So uh, I, I think it's all boils down to that. I think there's, uh, you know, I, I say cost containment, but like you, like you just said, I mean, you're going on the road to play Creighton. 
40 miles away. So, like, what's what's cheaper than doing that? Uh, it's just a mess. Uh, I, I don't even know how to explain it at this point. I can tell you that coaches, it, you know, Will, I know Will's going to play good cop in this thing, but I can tell you from talking to coaches across that league, uh, they're incredibly frustrated. I mean, we're, you know, even the Big Ten uh, at this point is, about a month away from starting on March 5th, and I still don't even know what their schedule format's going to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, what kind of crazy world are we living in from a college athletic standpoint? And it's, and it's not like this hasn't happened before. You would have thought they would learn their lesson back in the fall whenever it was like, oh, we're not going to play football because of, you know, potential, you know, uh, heart inflammation. Oh, by the way, the study we had might have been overblown. Oh, by the way, we're playing a, nor- a normal season uh, conference only. And so it's just like there, there were no lessons learned by anyone in the fall uh, in the Big Ten. And, and I really hate it for the coaches because ultimately what this is going to do is I have no doubt this hurts them in the year. I was talking to a couple of committee members on the selection committee, and they're like, I don't – like, how do we view the – you know, they were asking me, like, how do you even view the Big Ten at the end of the year when all these different leagues are playing a normal schedule – they're only playing teams in their conference. So it, it stinks because I think, you know, I include Nebraska in this. I think this league has five or six very, very strong postseason caliber clubs. And I would be very shocked if this league gets more than three because of this schedule. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think there's so many issues to dissect here. Number one, I, based on your tweet that you put out yesterday, I don't need to tell you uh, how, how that spread like wildfire, especially here in Nebraska. Uh, I even reacted to it as well. When, what message are you sending uh, to the Big Ten coaches and players, a league that has spent, Kendall, the last five to eight years really trying to build their brand as a baseball conference and, and really earn some respect and reputation uh, amongst everybody, really, that, that this is a conference that can play a little ball? What, what message are you sending when you aren't taking this seriously, when you, you have all these hurdles in front, you don't have a schedule release, you don't have answers to any questions? It, to me, it feels a little mm-hmm. bit like you're ripping down all the progress that you've made the last five years or so. I mean, you could argue that to an extent. I mean, I, I would say this. I, I separate the programs from the administrators. Uh, I think anybody, you know, if people say you recruit, you know, people say, oh, it's going to hurt our recruiting. I, I would I would disagree with that to an extent. I think kids, if they talk to coaches about this, I think coaches make it abundantly clear how they kind of feel about it. Uh, but I think when you look at this league overall, you know, you just had Michigan in the College World Series two years ago, uh, you know, playing for a national championship. You had a golden opportunity. You had the season cut short. You know, Eric Backage came out with this new baseball model that, you know, even as a – even as a, like a Texas guy, like I love the idea. I think it would be very good for college baseball. But, you know, if you're the SEC, and the Big Ten needs these conferences on board to pass this, if you're the SEC, ACC, Big 12, you're looking at a Big Ten that did not pass a third assistant legislation, that, you know, mm-hmm. helped to not pass third assistant legislation, actually, you know, lobbied other conferences to vote against it. Now you have a Big Ten who – apparently doesn't care enough about baseball at the, at the highest level to have a normal season when everybody else is having a normal season. If you're these conferences, like why in the world are we going lockstep with these guys to change the whole complexion of our season? Like it makes no sense, right? And so I think it does hurt them. I, you know, I, I've talked to a couple of Big Ten people who are like, well, I don't think it hurts us at all with the, with the new baseball model, but I have no doubt it does. It, it definitely hurts them, especially uh, after the third assistant uh, you know, issues they ran into. 
Yeah, reputation matters. There's no question about it. Kendall Absolutely. Rogers, Absolutely. Perception's reality. Yeah, 100%. Kendall Rogers, D1 Baseball, our guest here on Sports Nightly. I'm Ben McLaughlin. Kendall, when you look at uh, everything that's happened with all the other leagues, and there are people that, that get tired of hearing us about us at Nebraska complain about this, that, and the other, going all the way back to college football. <laughs> but when you look at all the other conferences, from, from your standpoint, who covers baseball from coast to coast, big conference to the smallest conference, how isolated is the Big Ten in this compared to all the other leagues and, and their structure going forward with their transparency, their scheduling, how, how they're approaching this, and, and just where the Big Ten is compared to everybody else? Well, to give you an idea where the Big Ten is compared to everybody else, I think the only other league I know of that is doing conference only is the Metro Atlantic Conference with Niagara and St. Peter's. So I think that's probably all I need to say on that. <laughs> mm, crazy. Just absolutely crazy how, how we've gotten here. Well, it, it's weird. It's a weird time for me. Normally I'm gearing up and getting ready to go to, to Phoenix or, or Dallas or someplace yeah. with, with the Huskers. I'm going to be sitting back and watching scores like everybody else. You guys have been cranking away on D1 Baseball, been reading all your articles, your conference previews, your lists. Um, just tell us a little bit about how your teams come together and, and really the work that you guys have put in the last – well, really, it never stops, but the last month to two months getting this stuff out and how psyched you are for another season to start. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about the season. I just think when you look at everything we've all gone through, uh, you know, whether it's me, you, or anybody else, uh, it's something we all need, right? You know, we, we had a tough, tough way to end the season. And I only think it's fitting when you look at college baseball this year and don't get me wrong, like, I'm disappointed that the Big Ten's not playing non-conference games. But at the end of the day, like, I'm just glad they're playing. Um, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll gripe about this to opening day, and then once opening day hits, it's like, hey, I'm just glad they're back on the field. I'm glad people will be back at Hawks uh, watching games, even though it might be 25%. Hey, that's better than nothing, right? So I, I'm just, in general, uh, really excited about this season. And I think when you look at the way last year ended, it's, it's fitting as well that we might have a golden year in college baseball. You know, when you look across the country, you know, you have teams loaded with seniors. You have teams that got all their talented freshmen on campus. And when you combine all that, when you're returning sophomores, juniors, uh, you, you have, uh, you know, you have the ability to have what I would call the most talented year in college baseball history. And so, uh, you know, I think people just need to, for the most part, be pretty excited about what we have. You know, even Nebraska, you know, when you look at the, you know, the return of guys like Spencer Schwellenbach, I, I'm personally really excited to see what he can do on the mound. I've heard a lot of great things about his arm on the mound. And so, you know, getting him back and getting Mojo back and, you know, Kate Povich had a great fall. Uh, I'm pretty excited about not only the Big Ten National College Baseball, but also kind of the Will Bolt era. This is a team that I think at the end of the year could definitely be in the postseason. Yeah, and I, I think everybody's kind of hoping that's that's the case, and cautiously optimistic is how I would label uh, Husker baseball fans as we enter 2021. Well, Kendall, looking at all your previews, your top 25 releases, there's a lot of interesting teams with a lot of talent, as you said. This may be a tough question to answer, but we'll let you go with this one. Who is there one team that you are really curious to see how it pans out, whether that be guys that skip skip the the MLB with the draft, newcomers, new coaches, conference, whatever it is? Is there a team that you're really anxious and eager to see that separates themselves from everybody else you know what i'm going to go with a, just a conference in general i'm going to go with the big 12 uh nebraska's old friends over there yeah you know, i think this league is really interesting um i think this league is is eight teams deep 
Uh, and I think even a, a club like Kansas State, you know, with Jordan Wicks on Friday nights in their weekend rotation, he's going to be a first-round pick. Uh, Carson Seymour is up to 98 as a right-handed pitcher. Uh, he's our Saturday guy. And so, you know, when you look at the Big 12, you even have a, uh, have a team like Kansas State who I feel like, has, you know, has a, a quality enough pitching staff uh, they could make some noise, get in a reasonable, and, and be kind of an Omaha sleeper type. I know it sounds funny. I get it. The, you know, talking about Kansas State being in Omaha. But, you know, the Big 12 overall is going to be very, very deep this year. And I, and I think you could – I mean, you could argue it's going to be that way in most of the conferences. But I think especially the Big 12, when you have eight teams, I feel like they're giving the postseason discussion. Uh, there's only nine teams in that league. So it gives you an idea of how strong that, that conference will be. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Man, one more shot to the heart before we uh, finish the interview up. One of my favorite trips all year is hopping in a car heading down south to Manhattan uh, with the Huskers and the Wildcats. Unfortunately, that won't be happening this year, but, uh, <laughs> so, but so it goes. Kendall Rogers, D1 Baseball. Kendall, thanks so much for jumping on, giving us some, some of your valuable time, man. Really appreciate it. I know you guys are really cranking up over there at D1 for the season to start. Thanks so much, and we appreciate all you do for college baseball. Thank you. Yeah, you got it, guys. Y'all stay safe up there. Thank you. You do the same. Kendall Rogers, appreciate his time very much. About halfway through our program here on a Wednesday night, final show for us for the week as we have a couple of women's sports in action tomorrow and Friday with women's basketball at Penn State and volleyball at home against Maryland on Friday. But uh, the biggest game of the week takes place on Sunday down in the Sunshine State of Florida. That is the Super Bowl, the Kansas City Chiefs against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Our good friend Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network and NFL.com joins us now down live from Tampa. Ian, a strange, strange week. Normally a ton of hoopla around uh, the Super Bowl. How different has this week felt maybe to uh, years past for the Super Bowl? Um, you know, it's it's different. I mean, it really is different. And this, I sort of expected it to be different, but it. You know, it feels like a Super Bowl because we're in big buildings and there's a lot of signage, but there's no people. And I think that's the most interesting thing is, like, you walk around and you can get anywhere you want and you can get any reservation you want. And now I have to have dinner at a table by myself outside if I'm going to do it. But, um, you know, it's just usually you're fighting everyone and then there's the parties. This year there's no parties and there's no one here. It's still a big game, but, I mean, the Chiefs aren't even coming till Saturday, so certainly it is different. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, doing uh, Zoom calls and uh, working from my basement for the last 11 months, I'm only imagining how different of just an environment that it feels like watching the press conferences over Zoom uh, the last few days. W let's just start with Kansas City. As you said, they're, they're staying back. What, what's been your feel of the Chiefs' camp, just of uh, the feeling since coming off the game with Buffalo, and obviously their mission all year was was run it back, was their saying. How, how do you feel like yeah. they're feeling this year maybe compared to last? Well, um, you know, because the Chiefs have done it um, and because they want to run it back, not, you know, sort of create anything, they can basically treat it like any other game, and that is essentially what they're doing. I mean, think about it. Like, there's no hoopla. There's interviews, which, okay, like, you sit down in front of a Zoom for 15 minutes, like – it's very different from what it would be otherwise. There's not, you know, a thousand reporters here. They're coming in on Saturday. And they, they are one of the rare teams that can actually go into Super Week and be like, yeah, you know, we're going to treat this normal. So, you know, I think that's a benefit. Now, the other part of it is the Bucks are kind of able to do it also 
because mm-hmm. they are home. So as of now, neither team has traveled for the Super Bowl, which is, you know, different from the way it is every year and certainly something that, uh, you know, takes a little bit of getting used to. Absolutely. Uh, let's start with personnel with Kansas City. Ian, uh, let's just start first with maybe – uh, the guys that uh, have been limited in practice or haven't been practicing, Sammy Watkins being one, Willie Gay another, uh, and then obviously the guys that are in the COVID protocol with Daniel Kilgore and Demarcus Robinson, right. just a, a bizarre situation with the barber. What what can you tell us uh, from what you're finding out about Kansas City and who who or who they will not have available on Sunday? Uh, so probably the most significant development is that Sammy Watkins, who has been out the last several weeks with a calf injury, uh, is practicing today. today. So that is a very good sign. Now, I'm not saying he's definitively playing, but the fact that he's able to practice on a Wednesday after having sat out you know, most of the last month or whatever it is, that is a good sign that potentially he could be out on the field. Um, Willie Gay had surgery on his meniscus. He is actually out several months. Um, he, is out, you know, he opted for the repair rather than the trim. Um, so that is, you know, obviously significant injury. Should have a full recovery and be fine, but not going to play in the Super Bowl. And then, you know, for the two players who are on the reserve COVID-19 list, you know, that's another one where it's um, it's significant and it's something we've seen all season, but it's um, something that everyone have, has had to deal with at one time or another. Demarcus Robinson um, was one of the players um, and who, uh, you know, you mentioned it. There was, there was a barber incident. So basically these two players – um, had the same barber. The team brought in a barber. The, they were all wearing masks. The barber eventually tested positive for COVID-19. Um, and these two guys were um, high-risk close contacts. They both should be fine by Saturday. They both should travel with the team. But obviously, it's a little bit of a different situation from normal because they are quarantined as of now. Yeah, and it's something to, to follow. Demarcus Robinson has played over 60% of the snaps for Kansas City. Something to watch uh, this weekend. Ian, the, the storyline that, that has been unfolded really before both championship games were over, right? Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, the old passing the torch to the new. I think we've all heard that storyline enough already. But I think as a Chiefs and as a Bucks fan, one thing that we're all watching uh, on Sunday is how the Chiefs offensive line handles – uh, the defensive line or the oh, front yeah. seven of Tampa Bay. That's that's really what what disrupted Aaron Rodgers and helped Tampa Bay win that game. With with Kansas City potentially having a, a makeshift Samo line with Eric Fisher being out, how do you see this battle going out on Sunday? And and could could this could this matchup of KC's O line and Tampa Bay's D line determine the outcome of the game? Hundred percent. I mean, to me, like there's a lot of fun storylines, like Patrick Mahomes repeating and. Brady being old and still wanting to play and, you know, a couple different health things like, you know, what's going to happen with Sammy Watkins, Antonio Brown practiced on a limited basis today. That's good. There's all sorts of things. To me, nothing more important than Eric Fisher being out with a torn Achilles um, and the fact that Mike Remmers has to come in and start and probably, you know, try to stop a couple of the best sackers in the NFL. And Mike Remmers you know, he's not a bad player at all. He's perfectly serviceable and fine. The problem is the, all of these sort of um, memories um, of Mike Remmers is of him in the Super Bowl with the Panthers getting driven back 10 yards and Cam Newton being under duress. He has a chance to exercise those demons. Um, that is, to me, that is maybe the most consequential 
player in the whole Super Bowl is how does he hold up on the left side? Yeah, and as a, I mean, as a Chiefs fan, it's not something that I look forward to watching, but you know, you're just kind of braced for impact or kind of bleeding over into the Tampa Bay camp with that. How are they feeling? It's an interesting dynamic because here you have a guy that's played in more Super Bowls than anybody with Tom Brady, but you also have a bunch of players that have never done this before. What, what's the feeling at Tampa Bay and how they're approaching this week? It is so fascinating to see how these players have taken to Tom Brady. Because you're right, they've never done it before. In fact, the Bucks haven't won basically ever. Like, I mean, they won a Super Bowl like two couple of decades ago, but like this Bucks team has done almost no winning, and it is unbelievable how Tom how they've taken to Tom Brady. It's almost like they believe because he believes, and because it's so matter of fact for him that they're like, okay, well, I guess it's possible because Tom says it. Like, that's really, I mean, that's really the way it is. Um, I, I've never, you know, you talk about people being leaders. We use the term all the time. I've never seen anything like this. I really haven't. It's fascinating. Um, and to me, it gives, I, I'm not sure the Bucks are going to win, but it gives them an extremely real chance on Sunday. We talked about some of the matchups, the key, the key things to watch for on the other side of the ball, KC's O-line against Tampa Bay's defensive mm-hmm. line. I think the, if we're going to flip side, something I'm intrigued to see is the Bucks wide receivers against the Chiefs secondary, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, Gronk and all them yeah. against the, the Chiefs secondary. H- how do you see Tampa Bay's offensive game plan unfolding, given how different the two halves were against Green Bay? I, I can't wait to see which Brady we get. Um, and I know we're talking about the receivers here, but, like, we saw Tom Brady throw the ball up for grabs three times yep. and get picked off three times. And they won. But, like, if you do that to the Chiefs, you throw the ball near Honey Badger, like, he's going to grab it. Juan Thornhill, I think, has looked a little better recently. Um, you know, that's – he's going to go get one. Um, Legereus Sneed, I think, is really impressed. Really good young player. Um, these are – guys that will not just catch it, but return it. Um, that, to me, is one of the more interesting things. Like, how opportunistic can they be? And, you know, I think the Bucks receivers, are, they have a lot of big names. It's also weird, kind of interesting, but weird that it ends up being sometimes guys like Scotty Miller who make the big play yeah. when you have Mike Evans and all them there. But um, those are really great matchups. And I think, you know, how economical and efficient Tom Brady is with the football will go a long way in determining who ends up winning this game. Ian, I was asked this question by a buddy yesterday, and I don't know the answer, so I'm going to ask the question to you. Whose running game is more important or could be more effective on Sunday? Um, wow. Um, I would guess probably the Bucks run game because the Chiefs' defense should be a little more susceptible. Like, the Bucks' defense up front is really good. I mean, Todd mm-hmm. Bowles is not going to be a head coach this year. I hope he is a head coach soon because, you know, he really is someone who has gotten the most out of this defense and really showed us how good a coordinator can be and how much of an effect you can have as a coordinator, you know? So to me, this Bucks defense up front is probably as, as good as it gets. I mean, when Dominican Sue, I honestly, I thought was going to retire a long time ago. Um, and he seems like he wants to keep going. Um, and he seems like he wants to keep playing, and as good as he's playing, he might. Um, it's, this is a really good stout defensive front, and I would imagine Casey's going to have a really tough time running against him. 
Yeah, and you know, as a Chiefs fan, I'm torn because here I am living in Nebraska, got Ndamukin Sue and Levante David on the Tampa Bay <laughs> defensive side. It's it's an yeah. interesting dynamic, but two really good players, and it's going to be a really good game. Yeah. Ian, before we let you go, man, I mean, we've made it to the Super Bowl, and we've kind of done some reflecting you know, in the last 11 months. Just how does it feel to have made it through an entire season? And obviously we thank you for still giving us some insight every single week and, and to keep up on all this couldn't have been easy. How, how does it feel for you to be down in Florida right now knowing that the final game of the craziest NFL season to ever happen is just a few days away? Pretty surreal, man. Really pretty surreal. I mean, I was confident the whole time because I was thinking that if the NFL could have a draft, if they could have free agency, then surely they could have a season. There were times, though, when it became bad, like really bad. You know, the the night where it looked like the Saints were going to have a positive test. I don't know if you remember this. It looked like the Saints were going to have a positive test after flying, and then the game might have to be postponed, and the Titans had this outbreak, and it looked like the world was coming apart. And everyone kind of took a deep breath and figured it out. And the fact that the NFL has made it here, I mean, we're going to have a Super Bowl. It's going to happen in a couple of days. They will have made it through a whole season without any cancellations. Took an absolutely unbelievable partnership between the NFL and the NFLPA and the players. And um, everyone should be commended just that we got this far. And I feel privileged to be able to be a part of it. Absolutely. I mean, I'll throw in the the Ravens and the and the Steelers. I believe it was getting postponed like three different times. Supposed to play on Thursday, they end up playing the next Wednesday. The Broncos had a practice squad wide receiver start at quarterback. I mean, this has been an, an absolutely crazy season, yep. but um, we've made it through it, and and we're all glad that 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 this is the case. Ian, thank you so much for everything you've you've given to us the last uh, sixteen to eighteen weeks. Enjoy the game on Sunday. We look forward to talking to you again here, maybe around draft time. Thank you for for everything this year all right good stuff man it is always a blast um thank you for having me and uh hope we can do it next year as well as do we ian rapaport from the nfl network appreciate his insight each and every week here on sports nightly final hour of sports nightly here on a wednesday night one hour to go for the week for us a couple of women's sports coming your way Tomorrow and on Friday, Nebraska women's basketball tomorrow at Penn State. Nebraska volleyball at home against Maryland on Friday. Really good stuff last hour. Thanks to Kendall Rogers, D1 Baseball, for stopping by. Also thanks to Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network for giving us some of his time down in Tampa. Chiefs and Bucks on Sunday for it all for the Lombardi Trophy. Chiefs going for back-to-back. Tom Brady extending his record of most Super Bowls. Uh, for a quarterback ever played in. So we will see what happens Sunday at 5.30. Coming up here just a second by Cell. Where are we at? We'll find out here momentarily. And also, before we hang up tonight, Josh and Austin will run through some prop bets for us. That's right. Some of the fun stuff uh, that Vegas has cooked up for people that, uh, you know, choose to uh, wager a nickel or two. We'll find out what uh, what some of those fun topics are before we sign off tonight as well of course you're going to be a part of the show 531-500-4686 the number to get into the program is our woodhouse auto family hotline bringing you more choices in brands locations and service experience the difference purchase with confidence this is woodhouse well i guess it's time let's do some buy sell 
It's time to buy or sell. Now here's the hosts of Buy or Sell, Josh Elkerman. Sold. And Austin Orman. Well, here we go. And uh, I know the question that we've been asking all night is, well, I guess there's two questions. One, is Tim still atop the throne? Is he on top of the leaderboard as we head into another week of buy sell? And then also, did Tim even get his questions in last week? And I won't ruin the suspense, or I, I'll break the suspense there. There's no suspense. He did not, but we do have a procedure that we do whenever someone doesn't get their questions in uh, right away. There's a reminder, usually the, either later that night or the next day. And then if they don't get it in all week, then the day that we're going to play again, I just go through and randomize the the answers, just alternating buy, sell, buy, sell, buy, sell. So that's what we did. So we'll see how Tim did with uh, Tim, that approach. Can we, I need a comment. I need a, I need a statement from you about this. Um, Look, you, you can't win them all. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm but you can participate of... in them all. <laughs> I suppose you could. I, I don't have an excuse right now. I feel like I've been put in timeout, like I'm in detention. I don't well, know. I, I mean, I feel... as you sh- you think you're going to get away scot free on this program by this this is a first, by the way. I mean, and, and it would come this year uh, in the election, the first time that something has ever happened that no one just chooses to not participate well, and, and buy I, sell. I, I'm yeah. going to correct you there, Ben. It has happened before, and okay, not to name names, Brett Whittier, but he uh, <laughs> has also. Okay, I'm so. sorry, Tim. I didn't. I, I didn't know that this. No. Has, we had. We have not publicly announced that this never Being happened. Before, slandered but. on this program, and I won't. Well, stand as the you deserve to be. Case. I mean, the, the, you, you are not off the hook because of that reason. It's still unacceptable. We, right. need, we need to be better. We need to be better than that. Well, Tim, you will get your answers in this week. There's no. I mean, that's true. We we will hold you accountable <laughs> this week. So. Brett, though, who says, we'll I'm gonna, who says I'm going to participate? Maybe I said this one out. We'll by, see. By the way, we'll Brett didn't submit his question until like 20 minutes ago. So he was, he was thinking hard. He was. All day <laughs> long, he was thinking on it, and we'll see. His question will no doubt be. Must be a be, great question. I know. It has to be. So we'll get to that in a little bit. But first, Is we have about course, soccer? No. I'll, no. I'll ruin the surprise there. Not about soccer. Let's get into the answers first, and we have one uh, that comes from two weeks ago. Ben, you asked an NBA question. Buy or sell that Isaiah Roby would total at least 55 points and rebounds combined the rest of Oklahoma City's road trip, which was four more games. That answer was a buy. He actually almost did it with just the points alone. He had 54 points, and he combined that with 18 rebounds for a total of 72, well over the 55 mark that was needed. And everyone but Greg and Tim bought it, and so Greg and Tim were the only ones to get it wrong. The rest you of know what's got crazy right. about that? We were all anticipating the return of Al Horford, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that was kind of the determining outcome. And his numbers have plummeted right. since Horford returned. And it was exactly when the road trip ended that Horford <laughs> came back. So had we extended that another game or two, there's no way he would have made it. Right. Exactly. We, that was why it was such a good question. Great job, Ben. Thank you pat myself on the back and i got it right <laughs> Get the, your own pat on the back and a verbal pat on the back from back here so good question we'll ask a greg question from husker women's basketball greg asked buy or sell that the huskers have three players in double figures in thursday's game against wisconsin the answer was a buy five players reached double figures bella cravens Ooh. kate kane ruby porter sam hybe among them 
and Annika Stewart the other. It was a bye with those five. So Greg and I, the only two high on the Husker women's team, the only two correct. Man, nope. five. That is crazy. I know. That's an L. I, I just assumed when that question was asked, I thought that there would be a, like – Hybe and Kane or Hybe and somebody else would score a lot, but then everybody else would just kind of be spread amongst them with not 10 points. But obviously, yeah, that's Oscar hater, Josh Hill. Right, yeah, that's me. <laughs> exactly. Uh, now we move on to a question asked by Austin, and it revolved around college basketball. By yourself, that the Big 12 would win the Big 12 SEC Challenge in men's college basketball this past weekend. In fact, all those games were played on Saturday. The answer was a sell. The SEC actually came away with a 5-4 victory in that challenge. There was one game canceled, but the SEC won five of the nine that were played. And guess what, guys? Only one person got it right, and that was yours truly. Everybody wow. Good work, Josh. Yeah, Very thanks. Nice. That's know, big time. I know my For the record, big 12, I never chose anything. Yeah, I know my <laughs> I know my Big 12 SEC basketball, so I broke you that do. down and <laughs> got it right. Regular Jay Billis back there. <laughs> I would still count Missouri's win as a Big 12 win, and that's a conference. That's game, true. I got really confused when I was <laughs> when I was tallying <laughs> those up. I had to think about it for a little bit, but I got oh, through that's... it. Well, we'll stick on the hardwood for answer number four. This was Brett's NBA question of the week. He asked, "Buy or sell that James Wiseman outscores Anthony Edwards in the last week's Golden State Minnesota matchup, or that either player would score over 20 points?" The either hit, it was an and, though. They both had exactly 25 points. It's a buy, and look at this. Everyone got this right. That's a layup. That is. It didn't and I, and I got to I gotta eat some crow, though. I mean, I always admit when I'm wrong, and I didn't say either would make it to 20. Yeah. Uh, career highs for both in that game, by the way. Crazy. Anthony Edwards was shooting like 31% from the floor or, or something horrible entering that game. Starting after that game with the Warriors, he went off. He, he had like four or five great games in a row. Um, slowed down in, in their last game. but And, and Wiseman uh, is injured now. So, great. yeah, it's interesting question, but good question from Brett. Great job, Brett. He got, he got the question in, and we expect uh, another one of that quality this week. Move on to a question that Greg had about Husker wrestling. Buy or sell that the Nebraska wrestling squad would score at least 22 points uh, this past weekend against Wisconsin. That was actually a sell. They only put up 21 points, so a great line by Greg. He was bragging about that on Monday and uh, when I talked to him, and uh, there were only two of us that got it wrong, and it was the two of us sitting right next to each other back here in the control wow. room. Austin and I got it wrong. The rest of you guys got it right. Man, one point. Crazy. One point. I, I don't know who it was that, that missed out on, on getting that extra point for the Huskers, but I'm, I'm a little bit bummed <laughs> that they didn't put together just a little bit better effort, whoever that was. Yeah, geez. Not going to name names because I don't know, but <laughs> we needed Coach Manning to go for two one of those chances, but <laughs> yeah. he played it safe and exactly. just kicked the three extra points. Right. All right, last answer we have for you guys. Josh's NFL question, buy or sell the winner of the virtual Pro Bowl wins by eight points or more. The answer was a buy. The NFC won 32-12. to 12. Five of the six of us were correct. Tim's lack of an answer cost him on the coin flip, so hate to see it. I'm outraged. This is I, objection, Your Honor. I'm throwing a Tim, flag. 
No, no. You throw the flag on yourself. <laughs> and by the way, this this fits perfectly with uh, with your mold anyway. You like to be the outcast, the outlier anyway. And had you known we all bought that, you likely would have sold it. So I think I think that one played true to form. Probably. Well, uh, to answer the question that we had at the beginning of this segment and all throughout the night, Tim is no longer the leader of the of season two of Buy Sell Everyone Plays edition. He went two of six. The rest of us, every single one, the other five of us, all went four of six this week. So we all made up uh, two points on Tim, and that makes Ben, you, and I the co-leaders at 13 of 20 on the season. Tim, though, is still in second place at 12 of 20, and then it's Greg and Brett. Uh, in a tie with 11 points and Austin bringing up the rear with 10 points. But he is back at 500, so no longer below 500 now. Tim, I will say two of six. Two of six is better than zero of six, uh, but still a tragedy that you entered the week leading nonetheless. You were in first place, and you just – you didn't answer, so I've been wronged. I've been wronged. The elites are out to get me. Well, Uh, I I think that this – The people's champion – will hopefully serve as a lesson going forward that, you know what, you better get your answers in. There's no no excuses. Play like I don't champion. think I got – Josh, said. Josh, you said at the top of the hour here that you set reminders out. I don't believe I got a reminder. I think Josh. I did. I'll, I will Check go back and look. Josh, I, I it doesn't matter. <laughs> it what doesn't I'm trying matter. to say is the game is rigged. Okay, fair enough. That's what I'm All trying right. to say. You're the one that stacked the deck, though. <laughs> All right, let's do some questions. Do it. My first – I'll go first. Yes, you're first. All right, NBA edition. Thanks to Fred Van Vliet's 54-point effort last night for the Toronto Raptors. Buy or sell that there are two different 50-point scorers in the NBA from now until the end of February. So last night does not count. We need two more 50-point scorers, and they cannot be the same guy. And I'm going to buy it. Give me the points. You want to call your shot on the two players that it'll be? Uh, sure. Give me uh, Bradley Beal and give me uh, Stephen Curry. Yeah, I'm going to sell this. Uh, you know, I, I expect nothing but lockdown defense during this uh, February month of, of basketball. So uh, why do I believe that? I'm not sure, but um, I'm selling. I'm also okay. going to sell. I, I'm i not necessarily a believer in lockdown defense, but <laughs> it. February is a short month. That's the reasoning that I'll, I'll go with. Not as much time as a normal month. If it was 31 days or even 30, then it might happen. But 28, no way. I'm going to buy it because <laughs> think of all the guys who are still waiting to have a big game this year. Jamal Murray, Devin Booker, Trey Young, Luka Doncic. They're all guys that have been relatively quiet for their standards. Giannis hasn't gotten up there nearly as frequently. Dame Willard's always a threat. Then you mentioned Beal and Steph. Yeah, just too many options out there for it not to happen twice in February. I'm, I'm all over this by. I love it. Very good. Tim, you're up next. All right. Well, uh, you guys might have heard there's a football game on this weekend. Uh-uh. They're calling it I'm just glad Super you Bowl. came with questions. They're <laughs> <laughs> calling it. I always get prepared. Boy Scout. Uh, Super Bowl 55, buyers sell that there are at least six touchdowns scored in the game, and Kansas City are the first team to find the end zone. I'm going to sell because I do think Casey scores first, but six touchdowns might be a little high, so give me the sell. Does that include defensive touchdowns? Yeah, that's fine. Include defensive touchdowns, yeah. Special teams touchdowns. Uh, yeah, I suppose so. Just six touchdowns. Yeah. If it's a touchdown, it counts, Foreman. Okay. 
Wow. Getting hostile. Uh, <laughs> I'm also going to sell. I'm sticking with a, a... I'll go with the Greg philosophy of selling the parlays. Um, I'll buy it just for kicks. Why not? Huh. I really want to buy it. I feel like this is trying to... Tim's trying to sucker me in with a buy here with Kansas City scoring first. Yeah, but... Kansas City ha- doesn't score first in the playoffs. They, they just don't do it. They right. did it first against Cleveland, and in the last two years, that's – that's. Uh, I guess they, they did score the first touchdown in the Super Bowl last year, but San Francisco scored first with the field goal. Man. I'm going to sell it. I'm not going to let Tim bait me into it. No. So that just means that – Tom Brady is going to uh, run in the end zone for like a 40-yard sprint. I, I see what's going to happen. Yeah, that's got to yeah. be what that means if I sell that question. <laughs> exactly. All right. That means that I am up next, and I have a Husker volleyball question here. Buy or sell that John Baylor drops a kaboom within the first six points in Friday's match against Maryland. And it has to be on a Husker point. Can't be with the Terps going, uh, scoring a point. And I and, and and we can't plant this question. No, there, no. There, there will be no. There needs to be no, no. reaching out to Jay, right. to John Baylor. Exactly. To, uh, I'm, I'm not going to slip him some money and be like, "Hey, can you, uh, <laughs> you know, from the first few points, drop a kaboom, even if there's no nothing worthy of one?" Um, I'm going to buy it. I believe in the kabooms coming early. And see, even oh, if there's going to be. Kaboom! Like first, like first point of the match. Oh, I'm buying that too. I, I'll give you an extra point if it is on the first point. <laughs> the thing, the thing Thank about it. JB is that if even if you did slip in money, he's honest enough, straightforward True. enough to tell you that he has been paid to do that. The he's other thing is, the other thing is, even if you asked him to do it, I think that unless it was literally like you telling him in his ear as it happened to say kaboom, I don't think that he would remember to do it or think to do it. He just gets in his own zone and kind of blocks yeah. everything else out. And he'll be in his own early against Maryland. I'll take the kaboom early. All right. While but, I'm answering the question, I'm going to remind you to buckle up and put the phone down. A reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. He's going to be charged up because he had a weekend taken away from him true. last week with Northwestern. So, yeah, he is going to be kabooming the ball. There are going to be babies woken up all over the North Bottoms um, against Maryland on Friday, now, particularly did, in the first six points. I, we did some research before uh, I asked this question, and it, um, the first two matches of the season against Indiana, it was the 10th and 11th points, respectively, that the first okay. kaboom came on. So... We're, we're asking for saved. it. Right. That, and I, I think that that's correct as well. So, But that's uh, that's what we're looking at. S- something to keep in mind. All right. From Husker Volleyball to Husker Men's Hoops, my question is buy or sell that at least three of the Husker Men's Basketball Team's postponed games are rescheduled and played. So three or more. I'm going to buy that. I know February is pretty packed, but I do think they find a way to get at least three of those six in. I'm buying as well. Uh, Fred Hoiberg had a presser earlier this week. All indications they're going to try and get them all in. I don't know that they get them all in, but I, I like my odds there with that number. So I'm buying. Yeah, I'll buy too. I think that there's a good, a couple of good windows to get those games in, and I, yeah, I feel pretty good about about that happening. No, I'm, I'm buying that all the way to the bank. Yeah, there's going to be more than three. I'm pretty comfortable about that. Wow, all the way to the bank. 
There cool. you go, Tim. All right, uh, Greg had a also had a Nebraska men's basketball question here by herself that the Huskers average 63 points per game or more in their next two contests. And he did not submit an answer with that question, but so I'll go first. I'm going to buy that that happens. Um, again, we, we you know, in a season of COVID, we don't know if that is actually the next two games on the schedule. Um, but Michigan State and what Minnesota are the mm-hmm. next two scheduled. So I, those are two uh, solid teams. Of course, Michigan State also coming off their own bout with COVID, but I'm still going to buy it. I assume it's at least average at least 63 points. Yeah, 63 or more. uh, I'm selling it. I think uh, Fred had some expectation setting uh, moment there during his press conference. He said that they were not going to play their best basketball. And given that they haven't really played good basketball (laughs) thus far this season, I'm kind of nervous the next two games offensively. I don't know how many points they're going to be putting on the board. So, uh, sell, unfortunately. Austin? Uh, 63 is not a whole lot of points. I, You know, it shouldn't be hard. It might be a little sketchier than we'd like it to be. But I, even coming off this long pause, I think there are more than enough pieces to get to 63 points against a couple teams that can be susceptible, even if Nebraska does have a little bit of a drought. So I will buy 63 or more points. Yeah, I sure hope they can get to 63. I'm, I'm buying that as well. I just, I mean, it, that's a number they should get to. Agreed. All right. So Brett's believe it or not NBA question. That's his forte. Ben or uh, Brett rather, sorry, asks buy or sell that there are at least two triple doubles across all games from Friday through Sunday, or that there's a fifty-point game in that three-day span. Josh did really might have gotten inspired from Ben's question. He, he actually <laughs> might. Yeah, he might have just looked at a at Ben's question and been like, hmm, let's just uh, go off of that and. <laughs> I I'm gonna sell that. I yeah, I'm selling it too. Yeah. Two triple doubles. Two triple doubles on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. All of those games, or that there's a 50 point game in any of those three days. And I will buy the or. Yeah, I'm, I'm buying it too. I think triple doubles aren't really that rare anymore. Giannis had one tonight in three quarters. So. I think there are so many candidates to get triple doubles anymore that um, that I think it's going to happen. I'll, I'll I'll throw a couple names out there. Give me uh, give me Luca and give me give me Luca and give me uh, how about LeBron? Luca and LeBron, little known player, Love LeBron it. James. Very good. Back to you, Ben. Back to All right, you, back ben. to me. All right, we got a college baseball uh, question here, fellas. Buy or sell that the Big Ten Conference releases its schedule before first pitch of the 2021 season. (laughs) So teams will be playing here in uh, just about two weeks. That gives the Big Ten, what, fellas, like 16 days to put out its schedule. I'm going to buy it, but I think it's the week of. I, I think it's I mean, it's literally that week. So I'm gonna. <laughs> I've never sold anything harder in my life. I'm selling it like my house is on fire. Okay, uh, well, I think the Big Ten's gonna release this like 
you know, 24 hours before first pitch or the first Big Ten game. I mean, that's that's what, that's I, what I was going to say. When I first read this, I thought you meant that it was like the the 2021 Big Ten baseball season. And I was like, how is that even possible? But <laughs> it makes more sense now. I, I think that they have to. Like, you can't have other teams playing college baseball and not even have your schedule out yet, right? Like, oh, you, you can't. Think. I mean, you wouldn't think, yeah. but... Kevin Warren just said, hold my beer, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. I'm still buying it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to buy it as well. <laughs> I mean, it's... It's a good question, but you sure hope it would be a buy. <laughs> you would hope. I kind of asked this question tongue in cheek, but right. <laughs> just watch this league, this league just never refuses to uh, to surprise. Also, Tim, I'm questioning your decision to sell like your house is on fire. I don't think you're going to get very good return on investment <laughs> on that. There, <laughs> I, I might I might be able to sell it at least. Uh, Back well, to you, Tim. Got to move on. Super Bowl 55, buy or sell that the opening score of the game will be either a field goal or a safety. What are you doing? I'm going to buy that. I think I think we're going to see a field goal. I think we're going to see a field goal. I don't think we're going to see a safety, but I have to leave the door open anyway. But there will be a field goal kicked. That will be the first points of the game. I would buy. say the odds of a safety aren't great for the first score of the game. It has you, happened in a Super has. Bowl. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I will sell this. I think that it will be a touchdown, probably by Tampa Bay, given what my answer was to an earlier question. Give me a Travis Kelsey 17-yard reception touchdown to open the wow. score. I'm going to give you like it. five extra points if it's exactly that, but nothing else, even if it's, <laughs> it's just like, Kelsey. If it's a 16-yard <laughs> touchdown, you're, you're, you're toast. Yeah. Uh, it would be wildly unfortunate. Ben? I'm taking the touchdown, so I'm selling. All right. Love it. Back to me now with a Big Ten basketball question. By ourselves, that there are at least three players on Big Ten teams averaging over 20 points per game the next time we play by sell. Right now, there are four players that are uh, at least have at least 20 points per game in the Big Ten, but two of them are basically right at 20. So we could see one or both of those guys drop mm. off by the next time we play by sell. And in fact, I believe that we will. So I'm going to sell it. So looking at those guys, it's Luca Garza, Ao Desunmu, Trace Jackson Davis, and Marcus Carr. Correct. Teddy's right there at 18. Yeah, that's the thing, other thing is you could have somebody coming up, but it would take a pretty good effort for that to happen. It would. Um, I think I will sell. I could see... Indiana getting in another dogfight or Marcus Carr having one little off night. So I'm going to sell it. There needs to just be two? Three. Three. There needs to be three. three. So Ooh. two would be a sell. I, three would be a buy. Man, I was on board for two. Three, I don't know. Um, there are four right now, though. Because I think Dosumu and Garza are pretty much locks. Yes. Luca's at 26 and a half. He'd have to – it's basically mathematically impossible for him not to stay there. Yep. Uh, I'm going to sell. Can I give an answer? Like a lot of... <sighs> oh, go ahead, Tim. Tim sells. All right, back to me. Yeah, what do you got? Um, Tim with the D Ford. <laughs> I, I wasn't mentally locked in. I just heard a silence and I filled the gap. I shot the gap like I was an over-eager defender. Like D Ford. Yes. Um, man, four. I'm going to hesitantly buy it. I don't feel great about it, but I think two get there, and so I'm kind of banking on one of the other ones to, to maintain where they're at. All right. 
There we go. All right. So last question comes from yours truly. Husker women's basketball this time. Do you guys buy or sell that the Husker women's basketball team reaches 14 total wins before the Big Ten tournament? They sit at 9-5 and five with nine games to go. I'm going to buy it. Okay. I'll buy it, too. I think that they're playing really well right now. So why not give me, a, give me the Huskers? See how many games they sure. have. Sure. Keep the buy train going. I'll buy it. Tim, so are you going to be anti-Husker here? You got nine uh, games at Penn State, at Rutgers, Iowa home, Maryland home, at Northwestern, Penn hmm. State home, at Minnesota, Michigan State in Lincoln, and at Iowa. Well, but then you have to – I'm not even being anti-Husker. You just have to factor in the, uh, you know, what happens if a game gets pushed due to COVID. So I'm you don't just have to sell. factor in anything if you don't want to, Tim. You can just ignore it. <laughs> I'm fat, factoring this. Like you ignored I'm selling. Questions? You're selling it. Wow. Yeah. All right. Husker hater here. We right go. here. Tim, Tim's got his questions in. Everything is right with the world. Good stuff, boys. Thank Thanks. you.